Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Wow, this is, this is exciting, isn't it? This is awesome. And we are just so thrilled to, uh, to be here today and to be asked to be a part of this incredible, incredible celebration. We are just incredibly, incredibly proud of you guys. We really, really are. Hey, we are here today to celebrate the third anniversary of the Grace Place NYC. The past three years has had its ups and downs, its hallelujahs, and its heartaches, its trials, and its triumphs. Much blood, sweat, and tears have been invested. Time, effort, struggle, money, perseverance, faith, courage, and the list could just go on and on and on and on of what it has taken to get this church to this place today. Thank you, Pastor Steve and Priscilla, for your vision for this church, and not only for this church, but for this city. And thank you for not giving up when times were hard and you faced nearly impossible odds. Without you, we wouldn't be here today. Can we give it up for our pastors today? I, I love the story of the old farmer who came across a turtle that was sitting on top of a fence post. And the old farmer said to the turtle, it's obvious you didn't get up here all by yourself. We wouldn't be here today without the leadership of Pastor Steve and Priscilla, but they didn't get here all by themselves. Thank you and you and you and you and you and you for following their leadership. And those of you that have been with them from the very beginning, we honor you and we thank you and we bless you today. Amen. I want us to get right into the message for today. I believe that God wants to encourage this church with this message. So today we're going to look into the book of Mark chapter number 2. The book of Mark chapter number 2. And we're going to read the first 12 verses. The Bible says, and again, he, and we know he is Jesus. Again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he, was in the house. I love that right there. It was heard that he, say he, he. was in the house. And immediately many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word. Say preach the word. He preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, say he saw their faith. Say it again, he saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. I've got a few of them in my church. 
Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's read verse number one again. I could just stay on verse one all day. It says, Jesus entered Capernaum, and it was heard that he, say he. he. Who's he? Jesus. It was heard that he was in the house. Amen. Here's what I know about the church. The person is more important than the program. Amen. Did you hear me? The person is more important than the program. You know, most churches today are all about the program. It's all about the program today, you know. All about style and show and sophistication. Too many churches today care more about relevance than they do repentance. Care more about numerical growth than they care about spiritual growth. They think that they have to compromise in order to draw a crowd. That if you're going to have a big church, if you're going to have a big crowd, you're going to have to compromise. But I've just read a scripture today that proves this to be absolutely false. Because verse 1 says, and it was heard that he was in the house. Who was in the house? He was in the house. Notice there's not one thing said about the program. Nobody said, man, they've got a great program down there in that house. Well, we better get down to that house, man. We've got to get a part of their program. Not a word said about their program. There was something said about a person. Hey, he is in the house. Amen. You better go down to that house down there because you're good. You know what? Jesus is in that house down there. I believe the person is more important than the program if that person is Jesus. Verse 2, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. Nothing about a program, all about a person, but when the right person was in the house, there was not room to even get even one more person in that house. I believe today that the key to filling all of these chairs this morning, I believe the, the key uh, to being other boroughs, I believe the key to growth today is not a program that you can download somewhere. I believe that if you can get Jesus to show up in this house, I believe that if Jesus is in this house, I believe that the people will come. Let it get known. Let people begin to say, you know what? You know what? Jesus is in that house down there. I, who, who's the pastor? I don't really know who the pastor is down there, but I have heard one thing, and that is Jesus is in that house. And when word gets out that Jesus is in this house, I am telling you, there will not be enough room for the people. How many with me this morning? Here's what I know, and that is a program can help, but Jesus can heal. Did you hear me this morning? I said a program can help, but Jesus can heal. Amen. 
You know, people don't just need help, they need healing. You know, the government can help. The government can help, society can help, programs can help, but only Jesus can heal. He can heal physically. He can feel, uh, heal emotionally. He can uh, heal mentally. Whatever the need is, when Jesus is in the house, amen, there will be healing. Many, many, many years ago, there was a, a great man of God. His name was Dr. P.C. Nelson. And Dr. Nelson had an incredible ministry and an incredible anointing upon his life and miracles and Miraculous healings took place, and, and people would come from everywhere to his meetings and line up to be prayed for by this man of God that they might be healed. And blind eyes were opened, and deaf ears were unstopped, and cripples began to walk, and incredible, unbelievable miracles took place in Dr. Nelson's ministry. One day a man came to the ministry of Dr. Nelson, came to one of his giant tent revivals, and he had severe, severe arthritis. He, he was in such horrific pain. He could hardly move. He could hardly navigate. He was in such, such pain. He couldn't wait for Dr. Nelson to quit preaching. He couldn't wait for the time when Dr. Nelson would call everyone to the front so he could pray for them. Finally, the time came and the man, with much effort, made his way down to that healing line and stood in that healing line. And the line was from one side of the tent to the other. He stood there waiting for Dr. Nelson to anoint him with oil and pray for him. Believing, believing that if this man of God would, would lay his hand on him and pray the prayer of faith, he would be healed. The man stood in the line and he watched as Dr. Nelson prayed for this one and that one and someone else and this one and that one. And up and down the aisle he went and all over the place he went praying for people and anointing them with oil and pray for, praying for them and coming back and praying for them two or three times and, you know, again. And then he skipped over him and went over and prayed for some others and prayed for And he's sitting, standing there thinking, Where, why in the world does he not pray for me? And, you know, I'm as sick as anybody here and I came as far as anybody else came. And why doesn't this man of God come and pray for me? Finally, as Dr. Nelson walked by this man, he just, simply, he just simply touched his forehead and said, Jesus, and walked on by. Well, it was evident after some time that he wasn't going to pray for him. And so this man, he just goes back to his seat, and, and he, just, he just plops down in his seat. And he's sitting there. I mean, he's a little bit angry. I mean, he's agitated. He's mad. He's angry. I mean, I'm as sick as anybody else, and I've come as far as anybody else, and... And then he realized, it's been a long time since I plopped. <laughs> and he said, I, I sat down hard and there was no pain. And he stood up. And he said, wow, I've, man, I just jumped up out of my seat. And he sat down again. And he stood up. And he sat down. And he stood up. And he realized that he had been totally healed. And he just took off running all over that tent. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It wasn't the prayer of Dr. P.C. Nelson. It wasn't the great faith. It was simply, simply all he did was just walk by. And as he walked by, he spoke the word Jesus. I'm telling you here today, there's not healing in me or Pastor Steve. There's not healing in the program, but there is healing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a healer in this house today, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Still with me? A program can help, but Jesus... Can heal. Here's something else I know, and that is a program can challenge you, but Jesus can change you. 
You know, self-help can motivate you for a moment, for a while, temporarily. Only Jesus can change you from the inside out. Not only did Jesus heal this paralyzed man in our story today, he also saved him. Verse 5, Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven you. Hear me, I, I don't want this message today to just challenge you. It's not about the message. It's certainly not about the messenger. It is all about the master. That's who we are celebrating today, the master. He is here today, and he wants to change you. And when Jesus in the house is in the house, people are changed. The person, the person is not important. It's, or the person is important and it is not the program. Let me say the second thing I want to I see here, and that is the preaching must be a priority. Verse 2, he preached the word to them. When Jesus is in the house, the word will be preached. It's okay to have our videos. It's okay to have our stuff. It's okay to be cool. It's all of that. But I want to tell you, when it gets down to it, we better be preaching the word. Preaching must be a priority. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 21, he said, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save those who would believe. Notice it didn't say that God chose foolish preaching. I've heard plenty of that. But the foolishness of preaching, God chose it to save those who would believe. Here's what I know, and that is methods change, but the message must not. Methods change with culture, and that's, that's all right. That's okay. Church is nothing like it was when I was a little boy. I'm 64 years old, and I have seen the church change. It doesn't look anything like it looked like when I was growing up. Methods change with culture. We should change. We should be relevant. We should stay up to date. It's okay to change the methods, but it's not okay to change the message. That's right. And we must not change our message to fit the culture. The message should change the culture. Sin is sin no matter what culture says about it. The word is still the word no matter if culture believes it or not. Here's here's another reason why preaching must remain a priority, and that is preaching magnifies faith. Preaching magnifies faith. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, he says, faith comes. Well, well, man, how many, how many need some faith? How many need some faith? Well, Paul says faith comes. Paul, how does faith come? Paul says faith comes from hearing the word of the Lord. Preaching magnifies faith. I believe right now, this very moment, I believe that as I am preaching today, faith is coming into your heart. Faith to believe for a particular issue in your life. Maybe it is salvation this morning. Maybe it is healing. Maybe it is a family issue. It might be a problem. Uh, It might be a sin issue. It might be an addiction. But I'm telling you this morning that even this very moment, as I am preaching, I believe that faith is coming in your heart to believe God today. I encourage you today, don't wait for the altar call right now. If you need something from Jesus, he's passing this way right now. Amen. The Bible says that he sent his word and healed them. And there is healing that is taking place right now in the name of Jesus as we believe God and faith is ignited in our heart. Let me suggest a third thing from our scripture today. And that is the people must get involved. The people. Say the people. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, he talking about you. And you turn back to them and say, he talking about you too. The people must get involved. See, we are in a partnership with Jesus. Did you know that? We are in a partnership with Jesus. See, God doesn't do anything unless he uses the hands and the feet and the voice and the pocketbook of some person. I remember one time when a man in my church who owned and operated a taxi, uh, he, he, and it was just a, you know, it was just, he was barely, barely making it, and, and his car wouldn't pass, his taxi his own, that he owned wouldn't uh, pass inspection because he needed a new set of tires. And, uh, and so it, he, he couldn't work because he, his taxi couldn't pass inspection. I heard about that, so I went into the auditorium of the church I was pastoring, and I said, God, Brother Joe, Brother Joe, he's a faithful man of God. He loves you, and he's a tither, and he's a giver, and Lord, you need to, you need to, you need to provide tires for Brother Joe. So he can operate his taxi and he can pay the bills and t support his family. God says, well, you ask me to do something you're not willing to do. What you talking about, Willis? God said, you, $400 to give him a nice set of tires. You got $400 in the bank. Go get him. How many know God works through people? I mean, no pastor bought him a set of tires. Amen. Here's what I know, and that is the people in our lives have been placed there by God. Amen. The people that are in your life are not there by happenstance. They're not there by, you know, just... You know, they, are, they are there, appointed, and placed there. The people in our lives have been placed there by God. Notice verse number 3 in our story says, They came to Jesus, these four men. They came to Jesus bringing, say bringing. They came to Jesus bringing. They didn't go to church empty-handed. They brought something. They didn't come to church empty-handed. They brought somebody. They came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried, say carried, by four men. See, see without the help of, of his four friends, this paralytic would have never gotten to Jesus and would have never been healed. Here's the interesting thing, and that is Jesus had the power to heal him. How many believe Jesus had the power to heal him? Hey, Jesus was willing to heal him, and Jesus wanted to heal him. Nevertheless, without the help of his four friends bringing him to Jesus, this paralytic would never have been healed. I ask you this morning, who in your life is depending on you to bring them to Jesus? Who is it that God has placed in your life and unless you get them to Jesus, unless you bring them to the house of God, unless you influence them toward God, they will never know Jesus, they will never be saved, and they will end up in a horrible place the Bible calls hell. Who is it in your life that is depending upon you to bring them to Jesus? Maybe it's somebody in your family. It might be the neighbor next door. It might be a co-worker. It might be somebody that you meet on the subway. Listen, the people in our lives have been placed there by God. And if people get to Jesus, people must get involved in the process. Back to our scripture, and that second thing I know here, and that is it took persistence to get this man to Jesus. When these four men got their friend to where Jesus was, they discovered that the house was full and they could not get him in the door. 
And here they have, I don't know how long it took them to get there. I don't know how, how you know, uh, how far away they had, you know, they were. And they, they had to carry this friend to where Jesus was. I don't know. But when they get to where Jesus is, they can't even get him in the door. How many know that it would have been easy for them to become discouraged? It would have been easy for them to become frustrated, maybe even a little bit angry. Here we put all of this effort into this and we can't even get him in the door. Hey, nobody would have faulted them if they had quit. Hey, good try. They could have said to one another, but no, no, no way. They, they carry their friend up on top of the house. They take off some of the roof, and they lower their friend on a stretcher by ropes into the presence of Jesus. Listen, it took persistence to get their friend to where Jesus was. This church is still going today because of persistence. It wasn't always a room full like this. And it will only, this church will only reach its potential through persistence. Listen, there are people in your life that you've tried to get to Jesus. Over and over and over, you've tried to get them to Jesus. Over and over and over, you've tried to get them into this church. Over and over you have invited. Uh, and over and over perhaps many of them have told you they're going to be there. And every Sunday you show up. And on Saturday they said they were coming. But on Sunday you show up and they are not there. The word for you today is keep persisting. Keep inviting them. Keep the presence of this church visible through outreach and other means in this community. Because persistence eventually pays off. True story. Many years ago, my wife and I were pastoring a little church. We were not, hadn't been married very long. and just, We were just kids pastoring a little church and had just a little handful of people. And there was a certain family in, in that little town. Their name was Knight. K-N-I-G-H-T was the last name. The Knights. And every Saturday, I would go to their house and knock on their door. And every Saturday, I would invite them to church. And every Saturday, they would say, we'll see you in the morning, preacher. And every Sunday, they did not show up. <laughs> week after week after week after week, month after, I'm not exaggerating, month after month after month. Every Saturday, I knocked on their door. Every Saturday, I invited them to church. Every Saturday, they said, we'll be there in the morning. Every Sunday, they did not show up. <laughs> My wife and I left there and went to pastor another church. Years go by, literally, literally years go by. I'm going to make up a, a number, I don't, but 20 maybe go by. I'm preaching in a little church out in West Texas. After church, a lady comes to me. She says, do you know who I am? I wanted to fake it till I make it, but I, I said, well, you look familiar. You know how you do? I, you look familiar. <laughs> she said, I'm, I don't even remember her first name, but I'll just make one up. I'm Mary Knight from Elkhart, Kansas. <laughs> Hello? She said, do you remember me? I'm, I'm Mary Knight from Elkhart, Kansas, she said, you knocked on our door every Saturday for months, and we never came. She said, we finally showed up, 
at the Assembly of God Church in Elkhart, Kansas, and she said, when we got there, they told us that you and your wife had moved away. Wow. She said, but we got saved. Wow. My whole family got saved. She said, my son is in the ministry. Thank you for knocking on my door every Saturday. Thank you for your persistence. Thank you that you did not give up. You're here today on this third anniversary because some people did not give up. There's some people in this neighborhood. There's some people in this city that will be here, but you're going to have to persist. Do not give up because persistence will pay dividends. Amen. Let me share one more thing from our scripture for today. And that is the power comes through faith. Do you believe that? The power comes through faith. I want to to say two things here. First of all, it was a corporate faith. Verse 5 said, when Jesus saw their faith, say their faith. faith. Now, Now, it's obvious that Pastor Steve and Priscilla have faith. See, see, you don't move your family from Texas to New York City and start a church from, from scratch without faith. You don't persevere through cancer and keep moving forward without faith. You don't climb the mountains they've climbed. You don't fight the giants they've fought to stay in this city and build a church. You don't do this and much, much more without faith. It's obvious pastor has faith. But I want to say this morning, I believe this is a word for somebody today. If this church becomes what God ordained this church to become, it's going to require a corporate faith. It took the faith of five men to get the paralytic healed. Verse 5 again, when Jesus saw their faith. It wasn't the faith of one man. It was the faith of four men and the one that had the, the, the disease. Listen, I'm asking you this morning, who is going to join your faith with the faith of these pastors today? I said, who's going to join their faith with the faith of the man and the woman of God that has sent them here to this city, sent them and planted them and put them in your life? Who is going to join their faith with their, their faith with their faith and see God do the miraculous in this city and in this area? Who is here today that will say, yes, I understand. They are called to this church and they are called to this city. But we too are called. Oh, we like to look at the man and the woman of God and say, well, they're here because they are called. I'm telling you, if you're here this morning, you're here because you are called. You're here because you are ordained to be here. You are here because God planted you here. You're here because God put you here for such a time as this. And yes, God has called the man and God, woman of God to this city and he's called them to this area, but he has called you. And I'm asking you this morning, will you respond to the call? The same call they responded to is the same call that God has for you. Will you respond to the call that God has placed upon your life this morning? Corporate faith, it'll take it to get the job done. But not only was it a corporate faith, but it was a cooperating faith. Verse 5 again, when Jesus saw their faith. Verse 11 and 12 said, Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and walk. And notice it says immediately, he arose. It wasn't enough that these four men that carried him 
to Jesus had faith, but it also took the faith of the one on the stretcher. For when Jesus was to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, he could have said, I'm paralyzed, dude. <laughs> Brother dude. I didn't call Jesus a dude. He did. <laughs> if I could arise and walk, I wouldn't need these four men. I wouldn't need this cotton bag and stretcher. He had to rise. He had to respond. He had to obey. He had to have faith. I suggest that the miracle happened that day because of a cooperating faith. It took Jesus, it took the four friends, but it also took the paralytic to get the desired results. Four men carries him to Jesus. They're not going to take no for an answer. They persevere. Jesus speaks the words of healing over him and gives him instructions, but also the paralytic has to obey the instructions of Jesus. And by faith, he got up. Oh, is there somebody today that will have the faith today to get up and do what God has told you to do? I submit to you that the miracle that day took place because, because and through a cooperating faith. In Exodus chapter 17, the story is told of a battle between the Israelites and the Amalekites. And the Bible says that Moses stretched out his rod toward the battle. How I many know I'm familiar with the rod of Moses? Moses, what do you have in your hand? I don't have nothing but this rod, this shepherd's staff. It's just a crooked stick. God says, that's what I'm going to use. How I many know God uses what we have? Yes. And as long as Moses... extended his rod toward the battle, the Israelites prevailed. Mm -hmm. But after some time, the man of God, yeah, he's the man of God. Yes, he's God's man of faith and power for the hour, but after a while, the man of God became weary yeah. and tired. He just could not hold out the rod one moment longer. And as soon as he dropped the rod, the tide turned and the enemy of Israel, the Amalekites, began to prevail. Aaron and her now, her is him, okay? Aaron and her recognized what happened. We've got to do something. We're going to lose the battle. We've got to do something. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, we, did you see what was working before? And Aaron got on one side of Moses, and her got on the other side of Moses. 
And they held up the hand of the man of God. And the Israelites prevailed. The man and woman of God have been here three years in a city that is totally different than anything they've ever known in their life. Everything's big in Texas. I've been in their apartment. It ain't big. We have elevators in Texas. Take you up to the fifth floor. We can get in our car and find a parking space in Texas. We have Tex-Mex in Texas. You're on the second location. He went through cancer again. He hasn't given me anything but positive, so I don't know anything but positive, but I could only imagine for three years of grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding. There's gotta be some weariness. There's gotta be some tiredness. There's gotta be some questions. The man and woman of God in this grace place NYC needs some errands and some hers to stand beside this man and woman of God and hold up their arms and help carry the vision. God has given the vision to the man and the woman of God. I believe that's the way God does it. But he needs Aaron's and hers to say, you know what? It's not just their vision, it's our vision. It's not just their church anymore, it's our church. We've got stake in this and and we're gonna be there. And even if they even if they left, we'd stay. Because God has called us, not just them. Amen. Who will be an Aaron? And who will be a her today? Our takeaway for the message today is simply this. When Jesus is in the house, miracles happen. If I could get some help today. When Jesus is in the house, miracles happen. It was heard that he was in the house. Who was in the house? He was in the house. Not a word about the cool factor. Not a word about the program. Not a word about the model, good-looking couple that's run the pastors of the church. But when word got out that he was there, that he was there, It doesn't matter that I'm here this morning. It doesn't matter if pastor's here this morning, but what matters is he's here today. 
I'm telling you that Jesus is in the house today. How do I know that Jesus is in the house? Because Jesus said, if two or three will gather together in my name, Jesus said, right there, I will be in the midst of them. I'm telling you today that Jesus is in this house today. And if you need to be saved, he's the Savior. If you need healing, he is a healer. If you need the Holy Spirit, he is a baptizer. I'm telling you today, Jesus is in this house. And if you believe that and you need something from Jesus today, I want you to stand right where you're at and just go after Jesus. Amen. Jesus is in this house this morning. Do you need something from him? Stand this morning and just reach out to him today. Jesus is in this house.